Welcome to In the Deep. I'm your host, Catherine Ingram. The following was excerpted from a Zoom session of Dharma Dialogues, which was broadcast from Australia on October 17th, 2020. It's called, People Can Be Disappointing. I invite you to join us for any of the upcoming monthly Zoom sessions, which are held at two different times on the first weekend of each month to accommodate most time zones in the world. Zen monasteries, they have a very strict schedule and people have tasks that they're meant to do each day. And it's the same thing every day. It's a very strict form in which they live. And there's an understanding in Zen that there's a freedom within the form. Now, what does that mean? That when your day is laid out for you and you go through it mindfully, carefully, with presence, and perhaps a lightness in your heart, there's a lot of freedom. It's actually a lot of freedom. That's why people love it. People go to monasteries and they feel free. Even though they have rules, they have tasks. So what are they free of? What, is the, what are you free from? Partly you're free, of course, from your mind racing around, thinking there's supposed to be something else, either that you're doing or that you're trying to get or that you need to be thinking about. <laughs> So to a great degree, you're free from the obsessive thought formulations that are irrelevant in the context of being in a monastery or in our cases, being in retreat. We all know this too from retreat where we have rules at the retreat. We have certain codes of behavior at the retreat one of which is that we're totally silent. And yet we have, we have such an experience of freedom. Freedom from our craziness. That's what you're free from. Free from the craziness of I want and I have to have it. Now, we're living in a time where the word freedom gets bandied about quite a lot in contexts that are so destructive as understandings. People think that they should have the freedom to do whatever they want, no matter the cost to other people, the cost even being perhaps hospitalization or death. But people feel their freedoms are being restricted. It was uh, the case when smoking was legal everywhere and you just took it for granted that when you got onto a plane, 
the plane within a short time would be filled with smoke because you could smoke anywhere on the plane. You could smoke in pretty much every restaurant and in many places of the world, you still can because people wanted their freedoms to smoke. And it was a big, big debate, a big fight that took many, many years and many, many, many deaths to change that. <laughs> because people wanted their so-called freedoms. And we know also many lesser cases, not as dramatic as either, either of those, where people's idea of what they should be allowed to do is their idea of freedom is all about their desires and often their ego-based desires. So when we find ourselves chomping and biting and that the kind of what imaginary binds of this time that we're in, Think of it more as being like in a monastery. There's certain ways of behavior. There's certain rules that are cooperative so that everyone can live. <laughs> and feel the freedom within that. If you tell yourselves you're in prison, you will be. You could be standing on a beautiful beach or under a vast starlit sky. And if you're telling yourself you're in prison, you will be. If you're feeling constrained by some relatively simple rules, you know, there are people in prison who experience freedom. Probably not many, but... <laughs> There are people who have had to be in prison for one reason or other. One of my friends was once in prison for more than two years for growing marijuana back in the day, a long time ago when it was really criminalized. And um, he had to really get free inside. And there's a book that's, uh, I forgot the name of the person who wrote it, but it's called From Onions to Pearls. It was about his time in prison. Very, he had a kind of profound wake up. The realization that the real imprisoning factor in a life is your mind. And the freeing factor is also your mind. There's a Krishnamurti quote I love. He says, my secret is, I don't mind what happens. I don't mind what happens. Not fighting with reality. And we can say, I don't mind what the restrictions are. Yes, it's going on a long time. Yes, there's certain constraints. Yes, there are things we might like to be doing that we're not doing and we can't make a plan to do. 
still we have our beautiful life and we can feel an expanse in our being that's where the expanse can be Um, facing more restrictions now coming in, in Dublin because because the, 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 there's a sort of exponential rise of the virus now. So they're debating today about bringing in more what they call level five, which is kind of total lockdown. Yeah, personally, I have I have a f- kind of maybe slightly unusual relationship to the restrictions that because of my own situation, you know, my own condition and. Normally, I have to make all these choices about events that I go to, and I, I love attending academic and research events, but I always have to make huge decisions about, you know, picking and choosing my energy and mobility and, you know, situation and all, all of that. And now everything is available on Zoom. So yeah. it's not the same for me because it's not the same as being with people in embodied form, but at the same time, I have more choice than I had before in terms of attending things. So there's, yeah. a, I, there's a part of me that's really benefiting from the world having sort of come more to reflect my reality. Yes. And it's, it's, it's very self, you know, it's very self-centered, but it's just particularly my particular situation. And I suppose other, other people may be in, in similar situations, but I mean, there are, there are losses. My main concern today is I want to get a haircut before the lockdown comes in. I'm not sure. <laughs> Otherwise, I'll be I'll be doing it myself again, you know. Um, but but I've I've always had a strong interest in prison documentaries, and recently um, I was looking up documentaries about people in isolation because I thought, how do they do it? Yes. How do they survive years and some some people years and years and years, and and for something that they didn't do, you know oh, what? What that, actually that so hard? And what do what do you see that they say? Um, that's what I'm trying to rec- trying to, I, I'm not, I'm not too sure. Um, yeah, I'm not actually too sure. Something must happen. No, what I mean is in your looking at those documentaries. Yeah. What do they say? What How do they do through it? Yes. I'm not sure. I'm yeah. still not too, too sure. Do you, have you? I only know some Burmese ones and they're kind of, outliers in that they're, they they were very well trained already in meditation and they were all political prisoners who were in solitary for some periods of time, different periods of time. And of course, they just spent the day meditating and doing yoga. Um, right. You know, yeah. But I mean, I think it's extremely, it's like a form of torture, really. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I think, yeah, some people go absolutely crazy. Yes. And the thing about isolation is they've no TV, no radio, no stimulation. And so you're just there and you've been completely abandoned. That's the other thing. Yeah. In people in, in those situations, that sense of abandonment must be just horrific. So they're managing that. So I actually still can't quite understand, but I try and think about it because I say to myself, if other people can endure those yes. kind of situations then it has to be possible. It always seems easier to endure something difficult when you know it's possible. It does something yeah. to the mind, I think. It certainly does. Yeah, whenever you hear a record gets broken, 
like a running record or any kind of record, you know, it, it lets all the people coming up in that sport or that field or whatever. No, right. it's done. Exactly. It's like it moves the, it moves the goalpost a little bit, but yes, in the case of people who've endured that kind of suffering and that kind of isolation yeah. and that kind, and some of those people have come up with incredible reserves of strength. It certainly makes our situation seem pretty doable. I mean, we just have to kind of get on Zoom or watch some movies and um, have the food delivered. Now, I mean, there are a lot of people right now in the world and a lot in my home country who don't have enough food. There are food lines, you know, in America. It's just shocking how many people are struggling to get food. And That's living on the streets, whole tent cities. So obviously those are very hard lives. And on I don't know how I would fare in such a circumstance. I would do everything I could to find this expanse of freedom in myself and to behave as gently as I could within the those very strained and stressful circumstances. But I've not been tested like that. No. But at this level of being tested, which hasn't been a test at all, it's been, frankly, fine. (laughs) I'm used to retreats, and so this is like a long retreat. (laughs) It does feel a bit slightly like that for me as well. Mm -hmm. Um, There's something I've wanted to ask you that I've been thinking about, about the the power of intentionality. Do you you find that, I, I know I've heard you talk that the more you turn your mind away from you know, I've had a certain re- repetitious scenario the last few weeks, which has been like a torment, you know, a conflict I had with someone and there's nothing any, I can I can do no more about it because I've tried and mm-hmm. and it just keeps replaying and replaying and causing me, it's like creating a bad vibe. So I'm aware it's creating a bad vibe and can we use intentionality? Yes. It seems that it's, oh, it's so hard. It seems to be just so hard to do. Well, I mean, as my, Teacher Punjaji used to say, I'm telling you the easy way. <laughs> the hard way is to keep doing the obsession that's painful. okay. That's the yeah. hard way. <laughs> well, yeah, the easy just... way is to interrupt it. So I always say, just interrupt it however you can. So when you start, no- here's the clue. When you start noticing yourself going into the obsession yeah. or whatever for anyone else, whatever and, the yeah. negative yeah patterning is for some people it might be fear about future or of course like you're saying in your case it might be going over something that happened in the past or obsessing about something you might do or say but you're saying it can't it's done yeah yeah, work of it is finished then you you begin to notice when the body is kind of getting a little tense and there's a quiver and you're starting to feel all the physical things that come with immersing in negative thoughts as soon yeah. as you start noticing that, interrupt it. And that's where the habit is. It's a habit of the interrupting. Okay. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Once you've interrupted it and you're on to something else, then you're just home free. You don't have to be doing anything with your mind. You don't have to be controlling your mind or doing any kind of practice. You just let it run as long as it's humming along. The, you yeah. Know humming along fine and no matter what it's on I mean whether it's just something inane or something that's not you know profound or you're just watching some ditty thing or listening to something or you know all of that is perfectly fine 
Yeah, yeah. It, let the let the awareness. I always say, you know, that it's kind of just like letting the awareness flow along, roll along, float along, and you know, so often people conflate present awareness with needing to be in some kind of spiritualized version of that, yeah. as though it has to be lofty awareness. It has to be some kind of yeah. Yeah, maybe even if even if they understand it doesn't have to be bliss, but some kind of exalted type of awareness, right? Okay. And in fact, awareness can be incredibly ordinary, but still awareness. All that means is that you're flowing along in pretty much in present awareness, even though thoughts about past or future are going by, but yeah. you're not really necessarily, like some of them are useful and you need to kind of address yeah. them. <laughs> Obviously you have to make a plan or you forgot yeah. something, you need to remember it and all those kinds of things. They're useful, functional, important thoughts in that regard. But a lot of the time it's just kind of background spam <laughs> and um, you don't have to be engaged with it. It's just rolling and uh, like a ticker tape that's just, rolling along and that's fine where the habit can be strong is that as you start noticing as soon as you feel it as soon as you feel the the stress of the nightmare that you're having yeah and anger is a part of it actually you know this particular person has hurt me and I can't understand how they could behave like this toward me if they knew me but, but are you surprised that people behave badly and hurt other people's feelings no, but I think sometimes with certain people that I wouldn't have expected it. It's right. so shocking. So shocking. Yeah. And I think yeah. I wouldn't do that to you. How are you doing this to me? I just, yeah. Yes, yeah. But, but the question still remains. Is it surprising to you that that happens to people who were surprised by it? Right? Like, in other words, they didn't expect their, you know, husband to have a, another family in the next exactly. fight. Exactly. <laughs> I feel it shouldn't happen to me because I don't deserve it. And, you know, I was whatever, whatever narrative is. Yeah, yeah. Do, do those kind of things happen to lovely, perfectly wonderful people? Of course, you know, yeah. so so you can take the shock part out of the equation. Yeah. Right? yeah. <laughs> and the story that it shouldn't have happened to you, that, yeah. you know, it happened yeah. to you. That's how it went. Yeah. And there may be gifts. This shouldn't happen to me in my 40s, you know. <laughs> <laughs> no, it could happen in any age. Exactly. People can disappoint you at any age. <laughs> exactly. It's weird, isn't it? That, that I have a narrative that things should be getting better. <clears throat> right. <laughs> yeah. No, people can be incredibly disappointing, especially if you have expectations of fair play yeah. or expectations that you thought you knew them so well and they... And you thought you knew their high character so well. Yeah. Uh, but it turned out maybe there were parts about their character you didn't know. Exactly. Right? Exactly. So, yeah. so, I mean, that's just how it is in this world. And yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. So that part is a bit of an extra torment. And then there's, <laughs> and then there's just the, the sheer hurt of feeling that your friend or whoever it was behaved in such a way that didn't consider you that didn't yeah, exactly 
you into account as a being, an independent creature who had feelings. And so, and that, that does go on in this world a lot. Yeah. And of course, there are the angels around, thank goodness, and the people who you do know are solid friends, you know. Yeah, that's what I try and, yeah, yeah. And to try and create meaning again with other, with, with, with other sources. where that's, that's the lesson you can take from this experience. Yeah. The lesson you can take, because you're going to give yourself the meaning, right? It's not like some kind of meaning is floating out in the ethernet or anything. And you will give yourself the meaning. And yeah. one meaning you could take from this is to have profound appreciation for those people who you do deeply trust and who have proven their trustworthiness. Yes. And, and exactly. another is... Unfortunately, but another one is that you might be more careful. Yes. New friends. That's what, yeah, yeah. Not making too many assumptions about them until you really get to know them. I know, I know exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's something I thought I would have learned, but I've learned it again. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know? Yes. And and there are sometimes these, I don't know if there's, there's self-help memes, but that you need to trust and expose your vulnerability, you know, all of this kind of stuff. And, and, and not until you really know someone. There was something one of my Buddhist teachers said one time. I never looked it up since then, and it's so long ago. But he said that the Buddha said that to really know a friend to really know the character, the deep character, and have that kind of trust. You have to have either seen them in difficult circumstances, how they behave. Okay. Like do, they, do their values hold when they're very, very stressed? Okay. Um, or you've known them for a very, very long time. And I would say even that one may, may not even always work. But he had, and there were, might have been one more, which I've forgotten, but I was struck by those because yeah. it, even the Buddha was saying, you don't just assume when you meet someone that you're going to be bosom body, buddies because they're showing up in a certain way and they're saying the right things and they're yeah. charming. Exactly. And you agree on so many things. And exactly. you, know, you feel, oh my goodness, a soulmate in a way, you know? And, yeah, exactly. Yeah. But, yeah. Yeah. People are, people are deeply driven by fear. Yeah. And they can, they can behave in ways that are just almost out of their control, out exactly. of their own yeah. ego fears and other types of fears. Someone has said to me, it's very, it can be very hard to imagine that other people don't think like you, that they're actually different. They're not thinking the same way and yeah, yeah. Right. or yes. reflecting in the same way. Yes. Uh, sometimes I think people are going to have these realizations and I've had to learn that, no, even in 20 years time, they may never have that realization. Oh, absolutely. No, I've, I've had to come to that. I used to think, oh, eventually, you know, they'll wake up to this or that circumstance or understanding yeah. or whatever. But a lot of people are living, especially now, in silos of information where nothing else gets in because they're, it's a closed system. So all of the information they're getting is within that system. And you know, one of my friends wrote a blog the other day that I read, and 
In it, he said something like, truth has its own power, something like that. But I'm wondering, and I know Martin Luther King Jr. said, no lie can live forever. And those things, those statements used to be true. Okay. But yeah. when we now live in a time where yeah. lies can seemingly live forever because so many people are living within the shared lie and right. all that's happening is more and more so-called facts that don't happen to be true keep pouring in to affirm their positions even though those positions are completely erroneous and post-truth i, I think yes call it. yes yes post-truth yes yeah. yeah so in a similar way some people really don't change they don't learn very very much <laughs> and um it's quite quite incredible isn't it when you're in a different way of being yes when you're in a different way of being and where you let your suffering be a teacher yeah if people let their suffering be a teacher or if the suffering is such that it yeah. just it just you know gives yeah. them up an advanced degree then then they learn yes but for people who go along in ordinary life and you know the yeah. nothing much takes them off their course it is possible i think for a lot of those kinds of people to just stay stuck in worldviews and go all the way to their deathbed and in, in it yeah it may be that there's uh, some people are experiencing fear instead of a range of emotion. You know, in yeah. suffering, there's a range of emotion. The amount of different emotions that I've experienced in the last few weeks, you know, it could, it, it is, is quite incredible, all within the context of a, that suffering around that event, you know. Yeah. But I was thinking that, yeah, sometimes it can be reduced into fear, or just yes. one emotion sometimes. Yeah, it's often underneath all the other bad behavior. <laughs> yeah. You know, um, yeah but um, i won't take up more thank you so much so. <laughs> thanks so much hi catherine hi everybody <laughs> oh, i'm like oh yeah i need to be in the dharma frequency with you guys <laughs> and everything that has been shared has been so perfect because you know about freedom and giving oneself permission to dignify my life, to, to, to have a joyful life. I've been noticing in the last couple of weeks just, you know, just, just watching the mind and how it really likes to do a wormhole into giving me a hard time. You know, I, I remember when I used to work in, you know, the, my corporate job and I was working really long, hard hours and a lot of stress and I would dream of the day when I wasn't in that stress. And I think, oh, I can go for walks and, you know, really enjoy my music and creativity and artwork. And, and now I'm here and it's like the inner oppressor in me, the inner oppressor is still looking for me to be productive. It's like, well, you're not productive enough and although you're doing these creative things, you're not putting them out in the world, there's something wrong with you, you need to go and get more therapy to work out why you're not doing that. And just really like, wow, so exhausting. And really just those stories, Catherine, they can just become 
believable and yet somewhere within me I know they're not um, but I can I can get lost in that for sure so it's just really so affirming to be here and to hear you and to hear everybody that you know just redirecting the attention coming back to what feels good in the body noticing when I start to get really worked up knowing something's off then that's like a barometer isn't it you know yeah, yeah. and I, I really resonate with what you're talking about in terms of it's basically about proving something about yourself it's like having to yeah. prove something and be somebody and be manifesting and all those things that we are conditioned with in our types of culture you know about 10 days or so ago one of my friends committed suicide in Bali. I only just found out a few days ago, and yesterday I attended the online memorial. He got sick some months ago, and he was in Bali, and they, they diagnosed it as dengue fever. I actually suspect COVID, but because they, they don't have many tests there, and there's, it's rampant in Bali. In any case, he... He was very, very ill, and I think he could tell that his health was very damaged. He was a really health and fitness person, and so he would have been very attuned to his own body. Anyway, I don't really know the full story. The family didn't really let that part be talked about, but but anyway, he, he committed suicide. Mm-hmm. So at the memorial, of course, memorials, when when the friends and family speak, are so powerful. So there were only like four speakers and each spoke for maybe 20 minutes or less, probably 15 or so. Anyway, they were so powerful, these these speeches about him. But one of the things that came through and really the lesson that I'm taking from this death of my friend is his commitment to living he was a free spirit. He was really a free spirit. It's why I've been thinking about what is freedom? Like, what is, like, you know, he really let, let his heart move him and take him where he wanted to go or study something he wanted to study. Or He was quite the philosopher type. And he was a great, he had a great interest in other people. He was super warm and kind and smart and very very handsome there was lots of uh, lots was made about how many uh, women swarmed him his whole life <laughs> his cousin was telling the story about how people would say who's that and she'd say he's my cousin <laughs> like, so proud of him but anyway one of the things people said in several different ways and his best friend said very specifically is that he considered his time his greatest wealth, like his use of his own time. And he he really had no particular interest in making some big name for himself in the world. And yet he was extremely talented and, and he was he was capable and could he could do all kinds of things. Mm-hmm. But he did them only for enjoyment. Mm-hmm. And 
he got into meditation and he became kind of a meditation mentor and teacher and and combined it with body and fitness stuff. And that became his real passion in life. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, I was over and over, you could feel in what people were saying that he, you know, he just listened, he, he danced to his own beat and he wasn't, he wasn't caught in seeing himself through others' eyes. Like he just didn't, didn't play in that realm. Yeah, there's a great lesson in that, isn't there? You know, there is. Yes. Beautiful. What a beautiful legacy that he's left in that way. Yes. And breaking the story of seeking external validation, it's like wow. You know, it's yeah. Thank you for sharing that. It's really yeah, beautiful and very touching. Yeah. Yes, it's been really touching and yeah. and profoundly insightful on lots of levels. But this in particular, this one about just live freely inside your being, you know, and we get so tormented. And I think as women, it's more, <laughs> you know, as as women, somehow we we want to please and we get all caught in all kinds of restrictions in our head that we weren't, for centuries, we weren't allowed to do certain things or to even think certain ways. But yes, another habit to change. <laughs> Another one, <laughs> ticking them off, <laughs> unloading the backpack. So, yes. And sometimes there's more energy for that than others and sometimes, the you know, just pop another one in the backpack knowing it'll have to come out at some point. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, Thank you. Yes. Yeah. you can offload the backpack though in one fell swoop in a way, I mean, at least momentarily. And that's yes. all you have to know. You don't have to think you have to get rid of all this conditioning at once, but to just have momentary resets, just reset the, the feeling inside of oneself. Yeah, so, true. yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Thank You're welcome, you. my dear. I think there are a couple of questions. I'm wondering how much we do change and how much we can change and how much is more we sort of have a temperament that leans a certain way as opposed to the conditioning. I've had that question on and on through my life. Why did they do that? And thinking that they're thinking like I'm thinking or that they're going to behave the way I'm going to behave. And yet sometimes when I brainstorm those things with my husband, I notice he doesn't have that he doesn't have that template. He's like, I have the high expectations and he has the low, I mean, it's another whole story, but he sort of has those low expectations. <laughs> well, why would you expect them to behave any different to that? So yeah. I, because I keep doing that over and over, I just think that's probably a tendency that I'm probably going to keep, and, and I'm wondering why I do that, because surely I'm smart enough to know they're not probably like me or I can intuit. <laughs> and it would be likely to behave like that and yet it needs to come as a shock each time like yeah <laughs> <laughs> well a couple of things of course you will keep getting the lesson that people can be disappointing and they're not going to necessarily show up as you do and they're not necessarily going to be as impeccable in their behavior and in their word as you 
intend to be. So that's just the what's so in this world. And two, you said, do people ever change at all? Well, yes, some people do. Like I said, some people do change through suffering or through a love of Dharma, which will keep changing you, actually. It does keep deepening. Because what, what is that? What does that mean? It means, in my way of understanding Dharma, it's that it's an inclination to find the thread of harmony through any circumstance, any experience, any feeling, any crisis, any relationship. There's a kind of inclining to what is the dharmic golden thread that runs through this. And if that becomes your interest in life, then all of your engagements have that golden thread running through them. And it makes it very much easier to be in relationship with anyone, whether it's your grocer or your husband. It just makes it easier. And you, and you have within that a lot of understanding about people and their behavior. It doesn't, you don't have the understanding that they're going to change. You have the understanding that they are as they are and they may or may not change depending on, like I said before, if they get a lot of suffering, that sometimes can really change a person. It can tenderize a person, a lot of loss, or they're, they start to have a kind of natural dharmic inclination, or they actually dive into some sort of dharmic field with others whereby they're, they're having those conversations which are helping them. I've seen a lot of people change. I've, I've seen a lot of, of people change over time. Not, not that you can't recognize them as their personality, but that they let go more easily. They let yeah. go. And they are not as selfish. Mm. Not Just as this, this pattern in myself, I'm finding hard that <laughs> to shift or change. But as you're talking, I'm thinking it's almost like maybe I do it to stay naive because I think that that's going to be easier. Like maybe I can see a dynamic in front of me, but maybe I choose not to see it. So it's, again, it's just seeing the reality for what it is and then applying that compassion to it to soften. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I personally, I do find that the truth sets you free, right? So I would rather see the truth and then work with that rather than have a fantasy that I'm clutching to and then have to constantly be disappointed as the evidence rolls in, <laughs> you know. So I'd rather have have it up front. I, just give me the truth and let's work with that. Part of living in truth, living in a commitment to seeing that, and I'm not claiming that I see the ultimate truth. I don't even think of truth in ultimate terms, but rather that... Sometimes what you're looking at is super hard. I mean, really hard to look at. And I understand people running from it and have all kinds of strategies. It's amazing how how many people have these crazy strategies. There's, there's a whole world of people now that are into these conspiracy theories that are really, I mean, it's like there's some kind of psychological twisting going on in their being because they're not stupid people necessarily but they believe things that are absolutely 
bonkers. And huge numbers of them are believing these things. And you've got to ask yourself, what is going on here? And my only answer is there's a psychological, you know, there's something missing (laughs) or else something too much added on. There's some kind of psychological disturbance that is clutching on this stuff out of some need for control or some need to feel like they're in the in-group that knows the secret stories or who knows, but it's wild to watch. And part of it, I think, too, is there's an undercurrent of fear to face the actual realities that are going on, which are, there's some big, really hard realities going on on this planet. And so, yes, I personally prefer, I do subscribe to the truth will set you free. Look at it clearly, understand it. Understand your own death coming. Understand that's where this is going to go eventually. It's like you have to walk into the suffering to have the the lesser suffering. (laughs) Mm -hmm. You're absolutely right. The easier suffering. (laughs) Well, yes, it's it's a good point. You have to face it. That was the Buddha's first noble truth, the truth of suffering. You have to really understand that is a huge reality here. And once you understand that and you start working with it from that place and you stop, you, you let go of, of childish, and I don't mean this in any demeaning way, but hopes and fantasies about how people are and how, you know, even all the stories about how people are inherently good and all these things that have been sold to how us. How families, how families should be. How families should be. Families family. should behave. And, yes, yeah. yes, that's right, that people should love each other and help each other and all of that. You know, it's painful to, to see the reality of that. It's really painful. But better to see the reality and then to look to the places where you might find that kind of warmth and trust and love and steadiness. And that's the power of Sangha. It really is. It really is the power of Sangha. And it's really great to surround yourself with Sangha because it is safer and truer and more beautiful and all those things. And not to think that like you said, you know, do people ever change? Well, actually they do. People who have a love of truth, who can look at things square in the eye and who then have this commitment to a dharmic thread, right? Then, yes. Thank you and thank you for all of you, what you bring up. Yeah, it's just some habits are hard to change. They just seem to be <laughs> protective yeah. or seemingly protective, well, the, but they're well, not. The first, the first layer of the change is the awareness. That's the first layer that you're aware that there's a habit that you have that you keep defaulting to that has expectations that are unrealistic. And when you have that awareness, then you see it the next time. Oh, there, there, there it is again. Oh, there it is again. And you just kind of keep gently resetting the view, right? You get your viewfinder polished up a bit. <laughs> Thanks. Oh, you're welcome. <laughs>
Well, yeah, your first talk about freedom was uh, spot on. I was just uh, <laughs> um, pondering the last days about that freedom concept and how we all individually use it in a certain way and often use it in a way that, that is convenient for us at that point. Mm. And I'll give an example. Several friends of mine have gone on holidays by plane, for example, and I was wishing them a very good holiday, but I also told them I would shake my fist at the sky if they flew over, but that I wish them a very good holiday, because <laughs> those what I was feeling. So uh, I told them I feel both. You know, most of all, I said, I wish you a very good holiday, but I also shake my fist at the sky. <laughs> and that is something that is... It is not totally harmonious in myself, <laughs> this issue. That you, I mean, that you said that to them or? Yeah, because I noticed there is a bit of a, a disappointment in me about their choice to, to do this right now. And it's not two friends here, but it's one, two, three, four <laughs> that went to Portugal or Greece or something. And I've noticed that I am a bit disappointed that I would have wished that they wouldn't do it and that they would have made a different choice. And if you speak about accepting or letting reality flood in as it is, <laughs> I notice that's a bit difficult for me on this subject. I, I, think, I think the virus is transmitted very much through traveling. Yeah. And then they tell me, oh, but the plane was so empty, there's no safer place. And in Greece, it's so quiet, there's no safer place. And I'm a bit mixed up in myself about, I, I don't want to show my opinions too much to them because I don't think it's very kind to judge them. Mm -hmm. I'm sure I'm also doing things sometimes that are not that maybe sort you know same yeah. as so i've decided to, to keep it inside at least for a while uh, until this is a bit resolved yeah this, this well you know it's funny as you were speaking i was thinking one of the things i'm really enjoying about being older is i get to say things like that <laughs> like <laughs> i get to sort of say kind of grandmother suggestions that i wouldn't have said i would have been a lot more reticent to say when i was younger and people hear it in a different place because you're older. And so uh, you kind of get, get away with a lot more <laughs> in terms of <laughs> telling people to be careful. Basically, that's what you're saying. You're saying, please be more careful, right? And I do that all the time with people now. <laughs> it's like <I'm, laughs> I do also have to kind of curtail it with some people because I can see they're getting reactive. But with other people who I'm in, encouraging to take this more seriously, I do see that they are listening. I mean, this is a life and death thing. In fact, even if you get the virus and it doesn't kill you, you're not one of the immediate statistics, it's unknown what it does long-term in your system. There's a lot of lot coming out now about people with long-term disability, really, who had mild cases, who weren't even hospitalized. Yeah. So 
we don't really know what the real toll of this is going to be. And I think it's fair to say to people who are not being careful who and who you care about, and because you're an older woman, <laughs> you can say, please be careful. <laughs> you can always add the word dear so it makes you sound, you know, grandmotherly. <laughs> And that's also part of surrendering to reality. You're surrendering to the reality of seeing with good evidence that you think that's a dangerous thing to do. They're in their own reality, and they may think it's too constricting and restrictive, and you can't stop them from doing what they're going to do. So part of your surrender is you see them, you know, they go off on the airplanes and on the airplane's back and may it all go smoothly. But if it doesn't, you did do your part and they played it the way they see it. So that's also part of surrendering to the reality. It certainly doesn't mean that we don't try to intercede when we see there's danger. Obviously, we we try to help wherever we can and and we also then surrender to what whatever comes of the fruits of our efforts hello hello just following on from that like because of where we are in australia it's not a I, I, I find I go backwards and forwards, like many friends now are travelling and moving around and, and I'm not. And, I, and I'm in two minds over that. Uh, I've had reason to stay put this year, but that's lessening mm-hmm. with the virus. And I sort of think, well, my, when I do get on a track that I need to interrupt, I do, my normal way might have been like, oh, I'll go travelling, I'll go somewhere. I'm very aware that that's not, like I might go somewhere, but I'm still me when I go there. Yes. And I find that that's quite a a dilemma that I spin my wheels on. And meanwhile, because I have a dilemma, I stay put because I certainly don't want to expose myself to anything. No, no. No. So you just, in this case, then you just return to contentment. Yes, restlessness arises. I've had a a few moments of restlessness where I suddenly felt a little caged, you know. I I mean, it didn't happen much, but it did happen, and maybe it'll continue to happen occasionally, where I felt, oh, I can't really go anywhere, (laughs) you know. Because like you, I don't want to get on airplanes. I don't want to go tromping around. So these little waves of restlessness would come over me. And because I do a lot of mind management whenever there's something like that happening, I tune into contentment, which isn't ever far away. It's like, oh, what's the problem really? <laughs> you know, <laughs> what's, what's the issue, huh? And like you say, wherever you go, there you are. I look around, I, I know you live 
by the ocean. You've probably been seeing the whales return and it's what's not to like. The whole world's trying to get in here where we are. (laughs) So, So when that restlessness comes up, I, I do some mind management. I do some counter thoughts, which is, you know, this is a beautiful place. Uh, I have food. I can call a friend if I want and meet someone for a walk. And I know some of you are about to get really locked down. So some of that is not going to be available, but you can still call a friend and have, you know, Zoom sessions, have, have coffee with your friend on Zoom. I mean, just hang out. We, we can certainly feel incredibly grateful and a lot of contentment right where we are. And yes. When you think about the risk benefit that we schlep off to someplace and um, risk getting this, this disease, just to have some kind of experience, some kind of what, some other experience, as if we haven't had thousands of those already. And I don't know about you, but sometimes my traveling isn't as fun as I thought it was going to be. <laughs> It's sort of like I'm just getting tired and <laughs> spending a lot of money. And so, yeah, back to contentment. Yes. Hmm. And to understand the thing that you started saying of freedom in the form. Yes, absolutely. I know what my days are like. I know what my options are. Yeah, yeah. I wake up and I do kind of the same things in the morning. I don't. I don't think I was living quite as formulaically as I am now before COVID, but I get up and I do just the same things. And there's, there's getting to be like being in a Zen temple. There is getting to be this, just this easy routine that um, has its own loveliness. I might very well miss it if that changed. It has its own gentleness actually. Yeah. And I keep thinking, this is how people used to live. This is how everybody used to live back in a long time ago, you know, or even to some degree, our own parents. They didn't range around the world like we've been doing. They didn't do that. They could maybe a little bit, but not that much. Mm. Life was more contained. And if we go further back, I mean, people lived in villages and... If we go further back, people lived in tribes and lived very, very simply, and you did kind of the same things each day. Yes. Freedom in the form. Yes. Freedom in the little ordinary routines. Freedom in making the tea, getting in your pajamas and getting in bed. All those things, it's tremendous, can be tremendous delight. Yes. Yeah. Thank you. Welcome. This has been In the Deep. We invite you to join us for any of the online Zoom sessions, which now occur two times monthly on the first weekend of each month. And if you're enjoying these podcasts, please consider a donation for the monthly production and hosting costs. 
The donation button is on each page of our website, katherineingram.com. It would also be very helpful if you can give a review or even just a rating, especially on Apple Podcasts. Till next time.